Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. A few thoughts to share with you about prayer before we actually uh, engage in prayer. Not that we haven't already. But first let's pray. Father, we delight in your presence and give thanks to you for your holy word. It's a fire in our bones. It's a hammer, hallelujah, to break through all the forces of evil, plans and strategies of the devil. We thank you that your words are life to us and health to all of our flesh. Thank you for your faithfulness to watch over your word, to perform it and to make it good. I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost and making my tongue as the pen of a ready writer to proclaim with boldness and accuracy the knowledge of the truth that liberates and makes us free. Thank you, dear Father God, that our faith stands not in the wisdom of men, but the power of the living God and the resurrected Christ. Be glorified in all that is said and done in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. What a privilege it is, first of all, to enter into the holiest place of God's presence and pray. Have an audience with Him. A way made open for us by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why they called it the way, the new living way. The way to the holiest place of God's presence was not open under the old covenant. And the Holy Ghost made sure that we are aware of that. But thank God we live in a new covenant with better promises. And the way's been open. The veil's been removed. And thank God we can enter in and discuss our lives with Him. Take our petitions to Him. You know, but more than anything, what He wants is that we love on Him. Hallelujah. That we love on Him. Amen. That's what he wants more than anything else. Father, we just love you. Father, we bless you. Father, we worship you and give you the glory that's due your name. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Praise God. Amen. Amen. First Samuel chapter 12, beginning at verse 16, is our opening text. Now, therefore, stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. What a statement. What a declaration. Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call unto the Lord. That's prayer. And he shall send thunder and rain. That you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great. Which you have done in the sight of the Lord. In asking you a king. So Samuel called unto the Lord. And the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord in Samuel. And all the people said unto Samuel, Pray for thy servants unto the Lord thy God, that we die not. That's a pretty good prayer. Wouldn't you say? <laughs> for we have added unto all our sins, notice this evil, they've added to all their other sins, this evil, what evil? To ask us a king. And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not, you have done all this wickedness, yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And turn ye not aside, for then should ye go after vain things, which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great namesake, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. 
Moreover, as for me, now notice this. God forbid that I should sin against the Lord. How, Samuel? In ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. Now we've been talking about prayer from different angles. But tonight, just quickly, not real long, but another angle, a different angle. And we're going to see that in just a moment. But notice what he said there. He would sin against God if he didn't pray. If he ceased to pray for the people, he would be sinning against God. Now, prayer, you know, can get us out of trouble. Aren't you glad for that? Moses prayed, and what happened? Judgment was stayed for the people of God. And I'm sure they were very glad that he interceded in prayer on their behalf. And then we know that Joshua prayed and proclaimed the word. As he communicated with God, he was told to speak to the sun, and the sun stood still, and victory came to the people of God. So, prayer can get you out of trouble. And then we also know that Hannah, who couldn't have a child, prayed and talked some things over with God. And as a result, what happened? She was able to conceive a son in her womb and gave birth to the prophet. And then probably one of the most important things in this individual's life, well, I should say the most important thing in this individual's life, when the thief was on the cross, he decided to pray. Can you imagine that kind of a salvation? Moments before he would die and be ushered into an eternity, he said, Jesus, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. Prayer got him out of a lot of trouble. Could have spent his eternity in a lake of fire. But because he prayed, he was delivered. Well, we understand that, don't we? But did you know that prayer can also get you into trouble? If you pray wrong? Praying incorrectly can create problems in our lives. And that's exactly what these individuals did. Look at verse 19 again of 1 Samuel chapter 12. God did not want them to have a king. And all the people said unto Samuel, Pray for thy servants unto the Lord thy God, that we die not, for we have added unto all our sins this evil, to ask us a king. And why didn't he want them to ask for a king? Because he was their king. He delivered them time and time again. He brought them out of Egypt. He delivered them from the kings, uh, the heathen kings, and so on and so forth. He did it time and time and time again. But you see, they wanted to be like all the other people groups of the world. They wanted to have their own kingdom and have their own king. And so they asked God to do it. And even though it wasn't the will of God, he did it. Because it's what they wanted. It pays to pray within the will of God. Does it not? We're told, if you ask anything according to his will, he hears you. Well, obviously he heard this prayer and answered their prayer. But you know what it took to get them to realize that they did wrong in the sight of the Lord? A thunderstorm. Now, what's the significance of the thunderstorm that took place then? Well, the significance was this. It was May. A time that it was uncommon for it to rain. And so for rain to come at that particular time as a result of prayer, then they knew it had to be God that answered the prayer of the prophet. 
when the thunderstorm came at that particular time. And when they saw that, they feared greatly and said, pray again that we die not. They wanted protection for their lives. And so afterwards, their eyes were opened and they saw that they were wrong. I'd rather discover God's will a different way. What about you? Than having to face something like that. Well, if we pray incorrectly, you can ask for someone to be your bride. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> rather than saying, is this your will? And enforcing your will on it, you might find yourself entering into a life of misery that could end in tragedy. Instead of asking God for the things that we want, our own personal desires, it's more important that we seek the face of God and know the will of God and say, this is what I want so that your will is done in my life. So it's important that we see that if we pray wrong and incorrectly, it could very well be that we can pray in some things that will create problems. And we should never do that. But then thirdly, also, not praying is sinful, we discover from this passage of Scripture. Look at that verse 23 again. Not praying is sinful. Sinless. It's, it's sinful for, for us to cease in praying for things. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord. How? In ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. So in other words, I'm not going to stop praying for you just because things aren't going right. He's saying, I'm going to continue praying for you because why prayer is the answer. Connecting with God, communicating with God, getting the mind of God, getting the will of God is more important than anything else in life. I'm not going to cease to pray for you. Now, that's important for us to know why. Because sometimes people back off on their prayer life. And it's very easy for people to do that. Going through all kinds of difficult challenges and situations in life, for some reason, people pull away from God rather than run to God. But the scripture teaches us in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, or chapter 5, verse 17, I believe it is. Chapter 5, verse 17. Pray without ceasing. That's why we're here tonight. Our purpose is to pray. Why? Because what, without prayer and praying for the things God wants us to pray for, He considers it to be sin. And so we don't want to enter into that realm, do we? We want to be a people that come together and pray and believe God, whether it's for our nation, our families, a revival, whatever it might be. We're coming together to pray. I'll tell you what, most believers, when they go to church, they just want to be entertained. But I believe God would have us gathered together like this, study His Word and pray. Seek His face, turn from wicked ways, that He could hear from heaven, forgive our sin, and bring healing to our land. The effectual purpose... For Effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available dynamic in its working. Men ought always to pray and, and faint not, we are told. But what about one in Matthew 26 and verse 41 where Jesus speaking, he tells his disciples, watch and pray. That you enter not into temptation, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So in other words, prayer is essential to our success in overcoming the wiles of the devil, overcoming the strategies of Satan, overcoming the temptations that we face in this life. You see, if we cease to pray, then we're not going to be empowered to rise up and overcome. But if we spend time at the throne, and you know what, I was thinking about this before coming out here tonight. Think about this. No other time in human history could a man approach God's holy throne. 
Only the high priest once a year on the day of atonement was allowed to enter into that place and have an audience with the living God. But every single one of us here tonight because of the blood of Jesus Christ has the right to walk up into the place of God's presence to the throne of God and say, Heavenly Father, I belong here and I want to talk to you. Are we affording ourselves that opportunity because of what Jesus did for us? If we don't, then you see, my goodness, the whole objective is to have sons and daughters who can come into him and fellowship with him. The whole reason for relationship is fellowship. That we fellowship with our Father. And that's what we're doing here tonight. To come before his holy presence and let him know we know what's going on in our world today. And we're making our appeal to you. Because man can't fix it. And he never will be able to. Now look at this. The results of praying, there's results of praying and not praying. And they're evident to us in Scripture. And first of all, we'll take a look real quick at the uh, book of Isaiah, chapter 38. And this is Hezekiah. Remember King Hezekiah? Remember when uh, uh, the prophet Isaiah went to him and said that, uh, you know, you're going to die. So get your house in order. Not a good thing to hear, especially from a prophet like him. Get your house in order, O king. You're going to die. Well... Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David, thy father, I have heard thy prayer. What did he hear? His prayer. I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto thy days 15 years. What if he hadn't prayed? What if he would have complained and said, Why me? And didn't pursue the mind of God, the power of God, the forgiveness of God, the healing that comes from God. He would have died. But because he prayed, he got good results. Fifteen years were added to his life. Well, the same thing wasn't true for Asa. Second Chronicles 16, look at it. It wasn't the same for him. He got to a place where he depended on himself and even the strength of others rather than almighty God at the beginning of his reign he trusted in God who delivered him and them from the enemy time after time no matter how small they were and how big the enemy was but all of a sudden he got to a place where he stopped seeking the face of God in prayer and believing in him and trusting in him so and Asa in the 30 and 9th year of his reign was diseased in his feet until his disease was exceeding great Yet in his disease, he sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. And Asa slept with his fathers and died in the one and fortieth year of his reign. So here we see one king who prayed and got 15 more years. Another one who ceased to pray, who didn't pray, who didn't seek the face of God, but sought his own remedies. And as a result, he died. Another thing is found in James chapter 4 and verse 2. In James chapter 4 and verse 2, I'm, I'm, I believe we're all familiar with it. You lust and you have not, you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain, you fight in war, yet you have not. Why? Because you ask not. In other words, we're not going to get the things we want. Do you know what? You can live for 100 years on this planet. If you never ask Jesus to come into your heart, he won't. Did you know that? He won't. You've got to ask. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. So if we want salvation, we've got to pray. We've got to ask. Jesus, come into my heart. 
And what about healing? Call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Anoint him with all in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise them up. But if we don't call and do our part, and we can do that in different ways, but one way is call for the elders, let them pray over them, anoint them with all in the name of the Lord. So through prayer we see healing can be received and ministered. And the list goes on and on. There are different things that we can receive strength from the Lord. Ask of, the, ask of me. What about direction, guidance, and wisdom? What did James say? If you, ask, if you lack wisdom, ask of God who gives to men liberally and doesn't upbraid or doesn't hold it against you. And what? It'll be given to him. So ask and you shall receive. So prayer is essential to our receiving the things that God wants us to have. And if we don't ask him, we're not going to get it. So it's essential that we learn to develop a lifestyle of prayer where we can go before the presence of God, the throne of God, and ask him for those things. And Jesus said, ask in my name, and it will be given to you. Why? That your joy may be full. Well, it's one thing to ask for ourselves. It's another thing to ask for either others or our country. And you know what? We know right now that we are in a situation where we need to have the mind of God. God wants us to join forces together with him and pray his perfect will to be done in this nation, in our government, in our states, in our land, in our homes, in our lives. If we don't intercede, if we don't pray and ask, what did uh, Timothy say? What Paul said to Timothy? First of all, prayer, supplication, giving of thanks, intercessions be made for all men, kings and all that are in authority. Why? That we may lead a quiet, peaceful life in our godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So he places that responsibility upon believers. So that we unite together like this tonight. And we lift up our government before the Lord and pray and believe God. For what? Divine intervention. Now. You notice the flags there. An appeal to heaven. And the appeal to heaven flag. There's a lot of history behind it. And in case you would like to know the full detail of the history, I won't take time to read it all. But there are some things that we, we put together this out there in the narthex of every church. You can pick it up. You can read it for yourself. But this nation was birthed in Christianity. And our forefathers came over here for the reason of what? Serving God and letting Jesus be king. Isn't that something? Not to have a king who reigns over your life with an iron fist, but the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, to really find a land where there's freedom for people to be respected and also to be able to serve God without any kind of a government coming against them and stopping them from doing it. Now, this appeal to heaven flag, America was founded upon a covenantal relationship with God birthed by the power of prayer and was intended to be a light and an example to the nations of the earth. As we begin our historical journey in 1775, the American Revolution was underway. Though oppressed by the mighty British Empire and occupied by its powerful military, a remnant filled with the hope for freedom arose. These colonists, however, understood that victory against such a powerful enemy would be virtually impossible and knew their only real hope of success was through an intervention from heaven. General George Washington, leader of the American Revolution, commissioned six ships for the war efforts. Highlighting the dependence on providential help, each ship 
was to fly under the banner of a white flag donning an evergreen tree in the center and the phrase appeal to heaven embroidered across the top. The following is a brief history and the significance of this flag. First, the evergreen tree. This was an important symbol of peace in the tradition of the Iroquois Native American nation and in the historical record of diplomacy between the Iroquois and colonists. Never losing its leaves, the evergreen tree also symbolized eternity. At a challenging time in their history, a peacemaker among the Iroquois united six great tribes, establishing unity among, the pe among all the people. Their peace treaty and eternal covenant to work and fight together was sealed by burying their weapons underneath a great evergreen tree. Our founding fathers were greatly influenced by the cultural traditions and their form of government and this tree that symbolized peace and eternal covenant. The covenant they intended to honor was with God and one another. They would pledge their lives, fortunes, and sacred honor to this agreement, but the symbol of the evergreen tree on Washington's flag was not inspired only by the Iroquois tradition. The tree of peace would soon become known also as the colonist liberty tree. This new meaning evolved from a conflict with the king of England. The colonies depended heavily on the wood from the massive evergreen trees for their livelihood, using them to build homes, furniture, boats, fires, tools, and much more. Measuring up to six feet in width and exceeding heights of 250 feet, these New World pines were considered some of the best in the world. The King of England therefore established the Broad Arrow Act as a way to harvest American pines for constructing vessels for the British Royal Navy, regardless of the tree's importance to the colonists. British soldiers were ordered to mark the best evergreens, even those on personal property, for only the king's use. This was done with an arrow symbol axed into them. Thus the name Broad Arrow Act. This, of course, infuriated the colonists and was used as a rallying cry of sorts for several years leading up to the war. The appeal to heaven. The evergreen tree of the Iroquois and the colonists, the Liberty Tree, became an important symbol for the colonists. A flag bearing its representation would soon be seen throughout all 13 colonies designed and commissioned for use on General Washington's Navy vessels. This white banner with an evergreen tree became the symbol of the colonists' unwavering spirit of liberty. But as we know, the tree was only a part of a flag. General Washington, the Continental Army, and the colonists at large recognized that the liberty they sought could never be attained through their abilities and strength alone. Their only hope for defeating the British was divine help from God they were in covenant with. For this reason, the evergreen tree on the white flag was crowned with the phrase, appeal to heaven. Where did this interesting phrase originate? The phrase, appeal to heaven, was written by an Englishman, John Locke, in the second treatise of government, one of the great philosophers of his time. He presented a system of justice that God intended for all humankind and spoke of inalienable rights that were derived from our creator rather than from the laws of civil government. His phrase, appeal to heaven, connotes that when all resources and ability to attain justice on earth are exhausted, an appeal to heaven still remains. This concept will become a foundational philosophy in American society, used even in the Declaration of Independence. By raising the appeal to heaven flag, the general of the Continental Army prophetically proclaimed that, despite being grossly outnumbered, inexperienced, and under-resourced, with God's help, they would triumph over injustice. Like David raising his tiny sling against a great giant with heaven's aid, they would prevail against their oppressors. And they did, becoming a powerful free republic and a light to the nations, undeniably raised up by the arm of Almighty God. Today, the future of this great nation 
this great Christian nation formed under this banner symbolizing eternal covenant, liberty, and power of prayer is in jeopardy. We are perilously close to losing our freedom and destiny, yet my conviction is strong and there is a hope for America. We can emulate the strategy of our founding fathers and make an appeal to heaven. If we do, we too will experience God's supernatural intervention. We can and we must. With firm reliance on divine providence. Praise God. And so as we gather together tonight, let us do so to make an appeal to heaven. As we have been and will continue to do. Because only God can turn this nation around. Only God. I'll be honest with you. That's where we're at. Only God can do it. And we want to continue thanking God for the fire to fall from heaven. For God by his divine power and ability to touch the hearts and minds of all the people within our government. And within our nation. Now we have the privilege of voting in political offices. And as we've been saying in this election, the most important thing is our Supreme Court justices. We can control that. That means we have a, an inroad. We have a head start. But I'll be, I'll be honest with you. No matter what, God is bigger than politicians. God is bigger than governments. Can you say amen? He's bigger than governments. He's bigger than politicians. He's bigger than military forces. Look what he did for Israel in the seven day war. He's bigger. But all he wants, all he desires, and what he needs is for believers like us to continue joining forces together with him, allowing him to move on this earth by making this highway through prayer and fasting, believing with other Christians that God is on the throne and that he is greater than all the enemy and all the powers of darkness and we're here to pray the will of God being done within our nation so can we say amen to that amen and so what we're going to do right now is we are going to lift up once again this nation before the throne of almighty God in response to his word that says if my people called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways I would hear from heaven. You got to make an appeal for him to hear. I would forgive their sin and bring healing to their land. And beloved it's not just the nation it could be your land. Your life, your family, your children. Can you say amen? Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound. And through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. 
So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.